Women have been giving birth for centuries, so it's a pretty natural experience, right? Wrong. I'm Stephanie King, professional doula, childbirth educator, and the creator of the My Essential Birth Course, the online childbirth education course that's helping women everywhere confidently achieve their best birth. Today's culture would have us think that birth should be treated like an illness or an emergency, and that most of us need other people telling us what's best for our bodies because we aren't the experts. So sit tight, because if you're tuning into this podcast, you'll probably start to believe in your body, your intuition, and find yourself empowered and confident to do what it takes to have the birth of your dreams. If you like listening to me take you through these weekly topics step-by-step, then you're going to love the My Essential Birth course. Make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast and definitely head over to myessentialbirth.com for the free downloads mentioned right here in these episodes and to join the birth course and community full of pregnant moms just like you. I have to add a disclaimer that I am not a medical professional and I cannot provide medical advice. All of the information expressed in this podcast are based off of personal, professional, and educational experiences and are my own opinion. Please work with a provider you trust for medical advice during your pregnancy and birth. All right. Welcome back to this week's podcast. And we have our reviewer of the week who is SLS610. She says, first podcast I listened to while pregnant. I love this podcast. I've been listening to it for about two months since finding out I was pregnant. And it's been so helpful in teaching me all the different things to think about for labor and delivery. I started from the beginning and hope to listen to all the episodes before I'm due in June. Stephanie's ethos for birth is so similar to how I'm thinking about it. Holistic combined with Western medicine practices. So I feel right at home with this podcast. I even signed up for the My Essential Birth course and my husband and I are starting tonight. So excited. Thank you for all the helpful info. Thank you for the review. Thanks for jumping into the course. I absolutely love when I hear people that are like, I started from the beginning. I don't even know how many episodes there are now, but it's got to be close to 100 or yeah, we're getting close to 100. I do know how many we have. Um, And that's just crazy to me that you guys are like sticking with it. You're listening, you're doing the work. That's like my favorite part is when you listen and you put in the work and then you have these incredible experiences. And that's kind of why we're here today. So I have with me Joanna. Do you go by Joe though? I feel like you go by Joe. Joe. Okay. So I have Joe Gibson with me here. She is a My Essential Birth Mama. She is, um, was a student and is a mother and had a really incredible experience that she's here to share with you today. So Joanna, Joe, will you take a moment and please introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Joe Gibson. Uh, my husband and I uh, were married about six and a half years before we finally decided to take the plunge and have our family begin. Uh, he is in the military, so with lots of deployments and things going on for those first few years, few years of our marriage, we thought, let's kind of take a beat. And then finally, we decided we were ready. So um, we did, and we're, we're excited. It's been a new journey. It's actually been almost a year since our baby was born. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying to process that. So this is kind of part of that, Happens a little fast. emo. <laughs> um, but but it's, been, it's been great, um, and it just keeps getting better. So Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah, I was actually one of the reasons I was super excited to have you tell your story is this whole kind of military background part of that. So maybe take a moment for those who don't have any idea and maybe for others who can totally relate to being a military wife, military wife, right? Or are you in the military? Yes. Yes. No, just a wife. Okay. Yes. I can relate to the military wife part. (laughs) Um, Talk about what that is like for you as a woman, as a mother, just kind of a brief like synopsis so people understand what it's like because you are away from family and other supports and then kind of into your providers as well. Take a moment and talk about that. 
So I am an army wife. And so our closest family is about eight and a half, nine hours away, um, which does present a lot of challenges, not so much during pregnancy, but especially in the postpartum period. Um, and now as we're just kind of knocking at the door to toddlerhood, it's, it is challenging because you do feel like you're kind of on an Island um, as a parent, you know, if he's sick, I've, I've got to take off work. I've got to be the one right there. I can't just call grandma and have her come down the road or watch him or, you know, have that kind of, it takes a village mentality necessarily. Um, so that has been a challenge because we're so far from family, but as far as, um, our healthcare, we do receive the, Tricare insurance from the army, my husband's work. And that's very, it's very stringent on the type of birth uh, plan that you can kind of create for yourself. I will say that's kind of what led us to um, looking into the My Essential Birth course and getting all involved with the podcasts and the reading and everything that you guys uh, recommend and provide because um, you don't really have a choice but to deliver in the hospital unless you, I guess, just stay home and have your baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, for, for our first try, we thought, oh, like, let's kind of try to not do that. Let's stick with the plan. And um, because we felt like we needed to follow the more conventional birth setting by delivering in a hospital, I think we wanted to have more knowledge on our own about how we could still achieve an unmedicated birth. Um, and that kind of became a priority for me. And I, I dragged my husband along to, for that and he quickly got on board. But for me, that was a priority because I've just, I think I've just always kind of been a geek about pregnancy and gestation and birth. And I actually had a friend as a child whose mom had her babies naturally. And I remember her just telling about that. And I, I guess it's like, once you've done it, it's like a, it's a thing for you, like a little badge of honor. And so I remember thinking that, wow, she's so proud that she did that. And she kind of, she kind of inspired me to do it a little bit. And then beyond <laughs> that, the more people who told me, well, birth really hurts. It's really painful. It's really hard. Then I just wanted to do it more. Um, so really out of spite is where I just kind of buckled down and was like, I'm doing this. I love um, that. <laughs> yeah. So beyond wanting to make it happen in a conventional hospital setting, I wanted to be able to have some control over um, still being able to achieve our goals for an unmedicated birth. And we did it. So thank you. Yeah, that is so awesome. That was honestly, when we were creating the course, that was uh, because I was a military mom, same kind of thing. In fact, when I took my birth courses, I had a very specific method in mind that I wanted to do. And the woman, the one woman, because we were overseas that taught them was like headed back to the States in a couple of weeks. So we jumped into her course before we were even pregnant, like had to get approval mm -hmm. from people and all this mm -hmm. stuff. And my thought was, oh my gosh, if we have an online course, like one of the things that this could really benefit is military families. Like you're all yes. over the place, all that stuff. But so what you can, you know, whatever your husband's schedule is, wherever you live, it's right there. It's online. It's accessible. So I'm, I'm glad that you guys were able to use it that way. That's really neat. But talk to me a little bit about your pregnancy. Was it pretty like standard? Um, did you have anything that came up? I mean, yes, you're away from family. You said pregnancy wasn't too bad, but like, talk to me about, did you have weird cravings or nausea or like, what did pregnancy look like for you? Yeah. So I feel really guilty in telling people that my pregnancy was so easy, super textbook, but it was like, I was never sick. I worked out every day. I felt great. The only thing I could not, and I'm a coffee drinker, but I could not <laughs> even look at my coffee pot while I was pregnant. So something about that was just, it just turned me off. Um, but aside from that, nothing really crazy. Um, it was a really easy, easy pregnancy. I did 
later on, I couldn't tell you exactly when it was later, like 25, 26 weeks. I, um, came in as low, having low iron supply. Mm. And so they put me on an iron supplement. I think they were a little worried about that. Um, they, they offered to put me on a drip, but it never got to the point that they felt like they absolutely had to do that. Where I guess you sit and you get an IV of iron. Um, I never had to do it, but I did have low iron and was on a supplement, but that was the only thing that was really of concern. Okay. Maybe a TMI question. Since you are a mom sure. that has taken iron though, yeah. were you having issues with bowel movements after that? And if so, what did you do to help ease that? I can't recall that that was like a pressing problem. Um, but when they came back and told me you got low iron, I was like eating spinach. I was eating all the <laughs> nice. iron rich foods. I was pounding yes. some steak. So I mean, nice. maybe, maybe. <laughs> but I was trying to supplement with a healthy, well-rounded diet too. No, I love a lot that of Cheetos and cookies thrown in there because I was pregnant. Hello. Of course. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad you added that. Yes. But I love that you were like, I did you. I, anyways. Okay. I just posted something on stories that was about that. I was seriously working at my desk. Sorry. Now I'm getting off topic, but That's you okay. said it, you said the balance thing and it's from the course. And I was laughing about it the other day. Anyways, my husband, like, or my son, I was like, you are old enough, like go make me some cookie dough. Like I just am like, you know, I've been eating healthy all week, whatever. And totally I'm like, one day you hit your macros and you like hit your high protein and all that stuff that you need. And the other days you're eating cookie dough for lunch because your husband or your, your husband, your son's 13 and he can go make you some, you know? Yeah. Anyways, um, it's, <laughs> it's all okay. about balance. Yeah. That's right. But I love that you shared too, as far as the iron, yes, like red meat. And um, as far as like making sure you're getting the iron and you're having regular bowel movements, spinach, kale, like the, you know, green leafy vegetables. So um, awesome. That's really great information for moms that are listening. When it comes to providers. So talk to me about that, because this is the military side of things like all the time I'm on here and you're like, you can switch your provider if you want to and all that stuff. Most of the time that is true. Sometimes unless you're willing to go with like a home birth, which truly that was part of the reason that we ended up doing that at our third station when I was pregnant. Um, But if you if you're not doing that, if you're not like, yes, let's take it out and go home. What does that look like for military moms? And and did you have options between providers? How did the provider conversation go? Okay, so military providers in our situation, we didn't have a lot. I really didn't even meet with one doctor. Um, The Mm. way our hospital was set up, it was a huge team of midwives which at first was comforting to me because I'm thinking midwives, they support natural birth. They want me <laughs> to be a holistic birthing mom in the woods right. having my baby or whatever. Um, that was not the case though for the, for the most part. So I didn't even see the same provider every time that we went to have a meeting. I would see a midwife and um, there were a few that I thought, oh my gosh, this midwife gets me. Like I love her. We're on the same page. Um, but I was admittedly really hesitant to say, I want an unmedicated birth. These are my goals. Mm. I, you know, I want to do this without an epidural or, you know, pushing on all fours if that's what I need to do. All the, all the good things that we know are appropriate and what the mom might use to feel comfortable. I was afraid to come forth and just say, this is what I want because I was so ready for them to say, you can't do that here. Like you're not allowed. And I just thought, I'm just going to do it. I'm not even going to ask you. And I'm not saying that that was the right move, but it worked for me. I guess I, with the rotation of the different midwives, um, I finally got up the courage around 18 weeks to say in my appointment to this midwife, hi, um, 
I, I actually used the questions from one of your podcasts where you, you had them ask questions like, um, what was, what's the rate of moms who come in and deliver unmedicated? And I asked that mm, question good one. and the midwife had the audacity to look <laughs> at me and she said, well, most moms don't do that because birth is really painful. And I was like, duh, like, of course it can be like, <laughs> wow, what a revelation. Thanks for sharing right. that midwife. Right. So after that, I was more determined than ever. Um, but I, I still had to deliver in that hospital setting. It was just part of how their kind of rules work. And so I just, I did, um, when I set up my next appointment, I said, I do not want to meet with that midwife ever again. Do not put me on her schedule. I don't want to meet with her. And so I felt really good and empowered that I had taken Stephanie's advice and I advocated for myself. (laughs) And I tried, that was like the best I could do to kind of switch my provider. It was just say, this midwife doesn't align with my goals. She doesn't support my philosophy. After meeting with that midwife at 18 weeks and kind of getting a little bit of pushback and feeling discouraged, I spoke up for myself and I said, I don't want any more um, interactions with that provider, nothing. And that was just kind of my my feeling of advocating for myself. If I can't go to a different hospital right now, or I can't really get a different provider, I can at least say this midwife doesn't align with my goals. I need to meet with someone else the next time. And I don't want to, I don't want to meet with her for the remainder. And I actually did have to rearrange, um, the, the different meetings. So there were like specific weeks, like 20 weeks or 24 weeks or 26 weeks. And some of mine were kind of shifted to help me avoid her. But to me, that was just kind of a, a worth it. It was, it was a worth it. So um, that, that kind of came up and was a little bit difficult, but uh, we did the best we could. And I think the the biggest, the biggest takeaway on that for us was having the knowledge so that even if we did come across a midwife who wasn't necessarily aligned with the goals that we had, um, the vast majority of them were, and we had enough knowledge that I think they felt confident saying, Oh, okay. Like you've done all this training. You actually know what you're talking about, about gestation and about delivery and about what labor could look like, even though you're a new mom. And so I think a lot of them were impressed that we had the knowledge that we gained from the course, which kind of got them a little bit of buy-in too. Cause I think, I think they do, at least I got the impression that they hear a lot of moms come in and say, Oh yeah, I'm totally, I'm just going to like have a natural birth and I'll just come in and it'll be totally easy. Um, but I think the training really was valuable for us, but also for the birth team, reassuring them that we weren't just going to be doing it on the fly. So, yeah, I like that. That You know, that was my experience with my first. I, I was, I raised my hand over here, that mom that was like, no, I want to give birth. Like women do it all the time. I don't understand. What's the big like, deal? Why are you giving yeah. me a hard time about this? Of course I can do this. I've seen the movies, you know, just going to clench my husband's hand and bear down and we're going to be great. Um, that ended in a cesarean birth for those who have heard my story before. But um, I love this idea of the way that you're asking providers questions and such can really change the outcome of and the reception to what you're talking about and the answers that you're getting. So did you use similar kinds of questions when you were talking with the other providers, when you're talking about that buy-in and being able to use that knowledge and information from the birth course? What did those conversations look like? Were they similar questions? You said you didn't really bring a birth plan. I kind of like this idea, especially when you are in a situation where you can't necessarily pick or change your provider or hospital or birth center or whatever, that you kind of ask forgiveness instead of permission. I, I actually love that concept. But talk to me a little bit about the questioning or when you're talking about they realized, you know, they have some buy-in because of our education. How did those conversations go down? Yeah. Okay. So that just gets me thinking. I'm definitely a 
a prepared person. I'm just organized. I'm prepared way early. My family kind of makes fun of me. My dad makes this joke that I was the kid who would get my syllabus on the first day of school and be done with my term paper the next day because I'm just like <laughs> that kind of a prepper kid. Nice. Um, as soon as we found out we were do pregnant, you know I was your like, Enneagram number? The podcast? I do not. I do. Okay. I don't. Um, but I mean, I was on the podcast. I was reading. I was on all the apps. Like I was going to be a birth expert. Okay. So once we kind of got that little bit of discouragement though, from that midwife, I, I knew my birth plan. It was typed up. It was ready to go, but I really did withhold that. And I guess I was kind of thinking like, well, I'll just ask for forgiveness rather than get shot down again and get discouraged or, you know, yeah. kind of be driven in a direction that, I didn't want to go or I was afraid that they would tell me something that would scare me into not doing this the way we wanted to do it. So, um, I had the birth plan in my mind. I had it like I was making notes on my phone all along the way. It was ready to go. Um, but I think the questions that came about to providers weren't necessarily like, can I push in the squat position or what kind of essential oils can I have? It was more like, um, what do you feel about, uh, doing this activity during this point of pregnancy? Or I've been doing these three exercises and I feel like this is going to support my birth because I, it's really important to me that I manage the pain as long as I can. Like I tried to just kind of frame it like, mm. this is what I'm going to do, kind of get on board with it. And if you have any feedback or advice on that, you go right ahead and give me advice. But I really stopped. I was like, I'm not asking for permission. This is how we're going to do it. These are the things I'm trying. And I think um, just in the sharing, like these are the things we're doing. This is why we're doing them. Kind of gave them the evidence that we had the knowledge. Um, and so that's kind of how they got the buy-in. Instead of putting them in the, in the position to answer my questions and give yeah. me permission, I just said, this is how it's going. Do you have any? I was like, do you have questions for me? Basically, That's genius, Joe. I am really excited about the Instagram posts that are going to happen this week. (laughs) (laughs) That's killer. I love it. Like so much. Yes to that. Because you're right. When you question a provider, you put them in the position of being the authority on the answer, even though that questioning from an educated mom is really testing them to see where they're at with it or what red flags we're looking for. I love the idea of, do you have any questions for me? This is how we're taking care of this process. Ah, that's beautiful. It's a little bossy. It sounds bossy. That's fine. You know what? You're the boss. It kind of works. They work for you. Like, I love it. Own it. Um, Talk to me about your husband then, because clearly as you're talking about these things, it sounds like he's at the appointments with you and you guys have listened to podcasts together or at least on the birth course together. What did that look like for you guys working together for this pregnancy and birth? Yeah. So he was really great about coming to the appointments. And I think that was because I had voiced, you know, I'm really afraid that they're going to tell me something that's going to scare me, or they're going to say, you can't do that, whatever it is. And I knew he, he has the personality that he can like knife hand a provider and say, no, this is our plan. This is what we're doing. I do not have that personality. I would probably say like, okay, yes, ma'am. Uh, you know, I'll push on my back, whatever, because I don't know. I just feel like I'm, I follow directions. I, I do the things you're an expert, whatever. So I knew if, if I got kind of backed into a corner, he would be able to say, that's not, that's not our plan. That's not what we're doing. Um, so I did kind of drag him along to my appointments and he was happy to come. Um, it's our first kid. So he, he was excited. I will say, uh, when I first started the course, I had a little trouble getting the buy-in for him to like, okay, you've, you've just worked all day, but you're going to sit down next to me. And now we're going to take a class. 
Right. And they're going to teach you about the female body. You know, <laughs> right. I, he was a little bit like, uh, what? So what I did, and I don't know that this is the best advice or if this works for every mom, but this is what worked for me. I previewed the course. And when I got to a section that I thought he has to know this, he's absolutely got to have this. I would say, this is priority. Let's sit down and watch this together, which worked for me because then I got it more than once sitting down Mm -hmm. and doing it together. But then I could also kind of help him filter, okay, what pieces of this do you really need to take away? And that, that worked um, for us. And he, he took that counter pressure to heart, Stephanie. He, we (laughs) practiced. I, I say this in all sincerity. I could not have done it without him having that knowledge. I love it. Period. Amazing. Well, and how special to have it be your husband, your significant other that can help you through that time. I mean, even when we bring in a doula and you know, I doula, I am in that private space with, with families. Um, it's such a blessing to be able to have that knowledge myself to help dad help mom, because it's this bonding, unifying, beautiful thing that happens. And so when you have a dad that is willing to, to look at how to do the work, get knowledgeable about it and then do it during like, how much closer did you guys feel after that experience? Oh my gosh, so much closer. And I just had so much appreciation for him that he, I mean, he was there in it with me. Like I I was crowning, but he was right there <laughs> alongside. And afterward, bless his heart. He was like, I know you just birthed our kid, but my arms hurt. I mean, he yeah. had counter pressure that whole time because of everything you learned in that course. So I cannot thank you guys enough because that, oh, that's, that yes. saved us. You should, yeah. dad should leave just as sore as mom in a different area of their body, right? Yes, good. Oh, I love it so much. <laughs> Um, okay. Well, okay. Here's a question for you. What do you think was maybe the most challenging thing for you guys together? Was there something that like really stood out as like, this was the hardest thing for us to get or to communicate about or, or something like that? You know, I don't, I don't think that there was any one particular thing about that. Um, as far as the pregnancy goes, postpartum was a little bit of a different story and that was a challenge. Um, but pregnancy wise, we were, I felt like we, were supported in the way that we needed to be. The providers, it, it was very traditional in that setting, but because we had the support and the knowledge from the course, we were able to kind of marry those in a way that we still met our goals and we were still able to kind of mostly follow their rules. So I love it. Okay. Countering that question. What do you think yeah. the most helpful thing that you guys did was? Counter pressure. Got no it. question. Okay. A billion times <laughs> that. And I don't know that that's across the board true for everyone in every birth, but for ours this time, that was it. Yeah. I kind of give like a warning, like once you start, be aware, because it probably like you're, you might be stuck there for the next 12 hours and that's very real. So I love it. All right. Okay. What, what did you guys do together? You watched the birth course where there's some things like we talk about relaxation practice. You mentioned the three daily exercises. What are some things you did? What are some things you guys did together to really get prepared? Yeah, I did the three daily exercises. I continued my exercises a little bit modified. Like I'm like a Pilates girl, not nothing, any crazy, anything crazy like that. Um, and we, um, like I said, we watched the course I did. I made these birth affirmation cards. I literally like went on Canva and made these black and white. And I even spent the time, this sounds so dorky, but I spent the time, I think I heard it in one of your podcasts about visualizing your birth and like what it could be like. And so I printed them off. And while 
I colored them literally mindfulness activity. I visualized what my birth could be like. What would the, what would the room feel like? What would, you know, what are the strategies I'm going to use? What kind of breathing, like what kind of music would I want on? And I visualized in that time. And I mean, that sounds like so hokey, but that really made such a difference. And then I had that tangible artifact to take into the labor and that made all the difference. My husband was great about that too. Like handing me, I eliminated them. Birth is messy. And I put them on a (laughs) ring. So that's just like evidence, teacher, teacher life over here. And he was (laughs) handing them to me throughout. Like when he, I think he just could kind of tell like, okay, she's really starting to get into like a hard time At, at the point that I was starting to get exhausted. He would hand me a different one and that, that made all the difference too. So that's awesome because, and you, you can call it hokey and all those things. And I totally get where you're coming from, but, um, you know, birth nerd in me is like that, that's that energy that you put into that kind of thing. And like you mentioned, bringing that with you into the birth space, that's actually like very, um, there's more to it than just, oh, I did this art project because I was feeling birthy this day. You know, there is is an energy and importance of like physically bringing that energy with you into the birth space. It's why like when we do mother's blessings and things, um, you know, everybody picks a bead and we make a a bracelet or a necklace for mom that she can take with her into the birth space. And like with each bead, each person has said something like empowering and loving and something about mom being capable um, to be able to go through that space and that energy, like literally that you you just look at that and you're like, yes, like all these people believe in me, trust in me, like know my body can do this, love me. That there's something to that that is very real for how we give birth and and what we bring into that birth space. So I love it. Yeah, Um, absolutely. And I think to that point, it's not, this is what I didn't realize. I don't have to believe that I'm capable and I can do it for 12 hours. I just have to do it for one minute at a time. And that's what I think was so powerful about the birth affirmation cards. I can just have this. And if I can believe this for one minute, I can get through one contraction and we just go one at a time until this is over. If there were ever a, um, like, like mindfulness exercise in practice, right? It's, it's birth and working one contraction at a time. So yeah, that's awesome. Okay. Let's hear it. I want to hear all about the birth story. Talk to me from that very first contraction until you give birth. I want to hear all about it. Sure. So, um, he was actually due on February 8th and that would have been me at like 40 weeks or whatever, I guess that was his guest day, you know? Um, and so as a first time mom, I was like, I'm going to be 45 weeks pregnant. I just know this. My mind was right for that. But at my 39 week appointment, I went in and I had not been checked up to that point. Um, so the midwife asked, you know, do you mind if I check you? And I was like over it at this point, 39 weeks. I was like, yes, Sure. Let's see where we are. I'm going to be here for three more weeks or something, but go ahead. And I was one centimeter. And so I'm like feeling good thinking, okay, like this is good. But I had learned all about prodromal labor and learned all about how people can stay at one centimeter for weeks and weeks. So I really did not think much of that, but I thought, okay, like it's going to happen. It's going to be over soon. This was midday on February 1st. So I left the appointment, feeling good. I'm at one centimeter, go back to work. I led three team meetings after that. I'm having mild cramps because that's what they told us. They were like, Oh, mild cramping after being checked. Totally typical. So I'm like, fine, mild cramping, no big deal. Worked the rest of the day, had my little mild cramps. Didn't think much of it. Went home, had dinner, ate dessert, still having some mild cramping. I I don't know if I was in denial (laughs) necessarily, no, I was. I was in denial. I was <laughs> shot. I thought for sure. I'm like, there is no way I'm having this baby. 
Um, but having mild cramps and then about 8 PM, I go to lay down for bed and I could not get comfortable. And it wasn't like I was hurting. I just, there was something about it. I could not, it would be like laying on the floor. I don't know. So weird. I couldn't explain it. Could not lay down. And I felt oddly anxious. I couldn't explain it. Still had not clicked that, okay, this is like the beginning of labor. Now I know, but then I did not know. And so I told my my husband, go to bed. I just don't feel ready for bed. I'm going to go and, you know, watch TV or something, try to get tired. So I go in the living room and I'm just kind of like hanging out, watching TV, probably ate some more snacks at that point. And then after about an hour, I started to realize that my cramps were kind of regular. And I thought, oh, oh, like... Oh, could this be early labor? So I get in the bathtub and I started to time my contractions. They were like not fully consistent yet. 10 minutes apart, 11 minutes apart. But after a while, they kind of started to get closer. And I would set a, like a goal for myself. I'd be like, okay, I'm going to do this for 30 more minutes and then I'll get out of the bathtub. Or I'm going to do this for like one more hour and then I'm going to put on a show or something. So I labored at home for a long time. And finally I'm starting to realize, okay, I'm actually in labor, but I'm not going to text my family yet because they're going to freak out. And I'm not going to wake up my husband because if this is for real, for real, he needs to be rested. So I labored by myself in the bathtub, went out to the living room and was like folded over the couch weird. And what, what I started to realize is I could not sit down. Like I had to be like hunched over the couch or even like on all fours in the bathtub just to get through each contraction. Um, but after, after several hours, I finally was like, okay, I got to wake him up. I wanted to wait until three, one, one, but around 2 AM, I was still like five minutes apart, but it had been several hours at this point. And something about the intensity was just telling me go to the hospital. So I was like, okay, time to wake him up. Even though I'm not three, one, one, it's okay. Something is telling me let's go. So woke him up, pack the bags. We, we got in the truck. And I, when I say that was the longest 10 minute car ride of my life, I mean it. I could not sit down, did not have, this is so unsafe. I'm sorry. I could not put my seatbelt on. I was like backwards in the passenger seat hunched over. I'm sure the, the guards at the gate, when you go on a military post, there's guards at the gate. They probably thought I was crazy, crazy person. <laughs> but anyway, we got to the hospital. And so it's like 3am at this point. And they checked me. They're trying to offer me wheelchairs the entire time to like wheel me. I'm active labor, like moaning in the emergency room, like fully swaying. These people thought I was insane, offering me wheelchairs, trying to usher me down to L and D. Um, but when they finally checked me, I was eight centimeters with a bulging bag is what wow. they said. And they could not believe that some random lady had walked in and was able to get to eight centimeters without an epidural. So I was already patting myself on the back for that. <laughs> um, from there, we labored for a long time, like all night. But I mean, they gave us a ball. They had me change into the robe. They did say I could do the cordless monitoring. Um, so I had that, it was hooked up to me somehow. I was kind of in labor land. So I really couldn't tell you like how that worked, but I wasn't plugged into a wall. I was moving. Mm -hmm. They were, they were so supportive. And the, the midwives that were on call were, I mean, really they stayed out of our way. We had it. Like we were doing the myocentral birth labor. We were doing it. <laughs> Husband was doing counter pressure. Like I'm like breathing in lavender essential oils as much as I possibly can. 
um, reading my affirmation cards, swaying, trying to sit on the ball. Um, I was over the bed kind of like, this is weird. I was like wagging my butt. That felt so good. (laughs) Moving my hips back and forth for hours and hours. And then finally, this is where this was kind of a learning experience for us. I don't know what time in the night, but a shift change happened. And up to that point, we had been doing so well. Um, But a shift change happened and a new midwife came in. And I think in that change, the birth plan wasn't necessarily communicated to the incoming midwife to the, to the level of detail about our goals. And so that midwife came in and she was with us for a little while and did compliment, you know, you guys have gone, done such a great job. You've gotten through the labor on your own at this point. That's amazing. Um, but it's time to push. Like she checked me. Um, she said, you know, you've been laboring for a long time you're ready. It's time to push. And I think at that point I was so exhausted. This is like 7 30 AM. So really at this point I've been in labor. Oh my gosh, like over 12 hours. It's been a really long time. And I think I was just so exhausted that I couldn't even put the words together to say, I don't feel ready. I don't feel like it's time to push. I don't have the urge to push. Mm. You're just so tired. I'm having the, those intrusive thoughts, right? Cause I'm thinking, Oh, yeah. maybe this is transition. Like in reflection, the intrusive thoughts that were like, reach up there, grab this baby and pull him out. Or like, you know what? Maybe I could just do a C-section. I'm like, this is fine. Mm-hmm. Just, just get him out. <laughs> just get this over with. You're at the point that you would push your baby out through a brick wall because you're just so tired. And so I did, and I pushed and I pushed and I pushed for a long time and it really was not productive. I did end up, I was really, I was like on my back, kind of on my side. Um, anyway, after a really long pushing stage, which is not what our goals were, but it is what it is. Um, he was born and he, he wasn't completely anterior, but the midwife did say that she thought he may have been slightly positioned a little funky because his, he was sunny side up a little bit, like his face was up, but maybe his body was like twisted. Um, and so maybe looking back, I'm thinking I should have been moving a lot more. I would have liked to have been changing positions a lot more between that 3am to 7.30am timeline, because that's such a long time to go from bulging bag, eight centimeters to still doesn't even have the urge to push. And finally he's born. So, you know, learning curve for next time. Um, all that said, after I delivered, I did hemorrhage. So that was just like an a little bit of added excitement there at the end. So they gave me Pitocin, um, and the, the worst, fundal massage ever. I don't know who Mm. did the PR marketing for the fundal massage, (laughs) but they did a great job. Not a massage. No. Yeah. Um, but he was born and he was perfect. And so we, we are very, we're happy that we got him here and we did do it without medication. We did it, um, all natural. Uh, but I did have some pretty severe tearing. I think that was a result of the pushing that I really was not ready for in a position that I did not feel was very productive. Um, so I had pretty severe second degree tearing interior and exterior, um, which really led to kind of rocky, immediate postpartum period and some delayed healing, which just made that all the more difficult. So, um, that the delivery piece is the piece that we kind of have some regret about, but the labor went great. That's awesome. Not the part of regret, but 
awesome that, that the labor <laughs> went well. Yeah. Um, I'm curious because I know moms will want to know early on, and maybe you can walk me through the birth with how um, you you handled and different things that you did with contractions. Because later on, you were talking about that wagging motion, which by the way, is totally normal. It's not weird. It's helping your baby get into the right position and move down the birth canal. Um, but for like in the beginning, you had mentioned you were in the bath, you were hanging over the couch. Like what was your breathing like? What were you saying to yourself in your head? How were you working through those contractions early on for moms that are listening? Yeah. Um, I really just tried to take it one contraction at a time. That was the most helpful. Lots of the moaning sound. I think I remember learning that from the podcast, maybe not the birth, maybe the birth course. Oh, I make the beautiful noise like in the birth course, but it's, it's low, one lesson. Like, <laughs> like sound like a farm animal moan. Yeah, right. I was not embarrassed to do that from 9 PM when it really started kicking off all the way into delivery. I mean, I was like full on loud birth and mama making those sounds. Um, but that it really was productive for me. And I don't know if it just took my mind off of it or what. Um, but as far as the breathing goes during every contraction, when I was breathing in, I was sniffing lavender or clary sage, like something about a scent distracted me. And it just kind of like took my mind to something else. Um, so I guess that would be one thing that I tried as far as the breathing. I couldn't really tell you if I was counting my breaths or anything like that, but inhaling lavender, exhaling with a loud moan. That that worked for me. I love it. Were you moving? Were you walking around during contractions? Okay. I could not sit still. I swayed for the entire time, like something about moving my hips and swaying. It was like, I couldn't stop. It wasn't, it really was not me thinking I should sway now. And that will help my baby move down. Right. It's intuitive, intuitive, completely intuitive. And which is so magical about it, you know? And I think I'm so thankful that I didn't have to get hooked up to machines and have a epidural where my legs were numb because I would have missed out on that piece where you just tune into natural. This is how you mom. Like it was, it was great. Yeah. And I think that's a good point too, for moms that are listening, you know, even if you do choose to have an epidural, it's why it's so important to have the movement. Like if you have an epidural and you're leaned back, even at a 45 degree angle for the 12 hours of your birth or whatever that looks like, um, imagine the difference between being stuck in one position versus what you're talking about being upright, moving around, breathing into your belly, moving your hips. Um, and so if you, if you do have that epidural, it's really important that you're, you're shoving your entire body from the left side to the right side and your leg is up and you've got a birth ball and, or a peanut ball, like those things matter a ton. Um, yeah, I thank you so much. And then you talked about 311. I'm going to mention that here just in case moms that are listening don't know what that is, even though I have mentioned it previously on the podcast, but She's talking about when your contractions are three minutes apart, lasting for a minute at a time for at least an hour. That's kind of our cue to say, okay, that's a good time to go into the hospital or your birthplace. If you have no other symptoms really that you're going off of, it's kind of like part of a package, right? So just like you had mentioned, like I wasn't at the 311, but... I knew it was time. They were intense. I was moaning. You know, I, I can't, I, I needed help during them. There are other ways to tell that it's time to go. Um, but that's one of the the several that you can use to figure out where you're going to, when you're, when you're going to head into your birthplace. Uh, I love that you mentioned the counter pressure. I think that's huge for moms that are listening. Make sure that 
your that dads are paying attention and learning these techniques. Um, was he good at it the first time he did it? Did you guys have to watch the videos a couple times? Yes. Yeah, that's Talk what I was going to add. I made him practice and it felt really dorky practicing in our living yep. room, like practicing counter <laughs> totally but I did. I was like, you're going to practice this because you can't be screwing it up when this is, when this is really happening. Um, and so we did and we practiced and he nailed it. He nailed it. But we did, we did have to talk about like, okay, this is kind of a rehearsal, like what feels good, what doesn't feel good. And then even still in the, when you're actually in labor, I could say, okay, push a lot harder or move your hands up, or move your hands down or get out a little heat pack. They were giving us these heat packs. That was great too. I don't know. I don't know where that came heat from. Heat packs are where it's at. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, man, we went through a lot of those. But yeah, it was a good that's time. awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> you also mentioned the essential oils. Um, the two that you talked about, lavender is, we call it an adaptogenic. If it gives, if you need energy, it gives you energy. If you need to be calm, it helps you be calm. Um, and then it's the same with the clary sage. Clary sage oil, we don't recommend you use it before 36 weeks of pregnancy because it can and will bring on contractions, especially if labor is already going. It can intensify them. Um, even doing that like can help things get moving faster and make your labor a little bit shorter. Uh, so that was awesome. And then birth affirmation cards. If you guys were listening to that, that was just, yes, you did all of the right things. We talked about the energy for that too. Um, and then I am one clarifying question for when you like came into the hospital, cause you had mentioned you brought the birth plan with you, but you hadn't really talked to the providers beforehand. So did you just hand that over to them? Did your husband kind of say, Hey, this is what's going on. This is like, how did that look? And then how was it received? Great question. So I really worked to get everything onto one page because I thought yes. that's going to be the the surest way to know that they understand. So yeah. I had to take out <laughs> a lot of the stuff like, we'll wear my own robe. Like I can just do that. I don't need to right. tell you I'm going to do that. I just did that. And actually yeah. I ended up not doing that. I think because <laughs> when you're actually in it, you don't care. You don't care. Um, or at least I didn't. Um, but I got it all into one page and I was in the frame of mind between contractions at the beginning that even when we first got there, even though I was eight centimeters between, I was totally normal. I was like myself. So I had the frame of mind to say, this is what we want. These are our goals. Um, but then at that shift change, like I said, I was not in a frame of mind between contractions to have that conversation. And so that's where he and I have talked since that we thought that would have been where we would have really needed a doula for someone who is outside of it. Cause he's so focused on me and I'm so focused on like survival that a third party would have been fabulous to say, these are their goals. We're sticking with them, you know, just to kind of have an advocate because by the time we were there at the end, we were just not in a frame of mind to have a presentation on why we are birthing right. the way we are. So. <laughs> yeah, but okay. you did it and you did so good. Yeah. It's so cool. <laughs> okay. I love to end these episodes with kind of your best advice for moms and best advice for partners. So with that in mind, what do you think your very best advice would be for either of those? Yeah. Okay. So for moms, definitely advocate for yourself. And if you think something isn't quite right, humble up and tell your provider in my postpartum time, this is that immediate postpartum because of the tearing that I experienced, I really had improper healing of like the stitching and I should have gone to my provider before the six week or the eight week appointment and said, I don't think this is right. I need you to look at this. Eight weeks is a long time to go on 
caring for yourself and another new, brand new human being and maybe have something wrong with you and you not get it looked at, just, just call your provider. And if they tell you that you're crazy, then that's just fine, but they probably won't. So I wish I had gone in earlier and said, I need someone to check this because I waited until the eight week postpartum appointment and then had to have that repaired. And let me tell you, that was not very fun. So learn from my mistake. If you think something maybe needs to be checked out, just do it. Just do it. This is your sign to do that. Um, as far as for dads, dads, learn about the counter pressure. <laughs> I know I'm just going to keep saying counter pressure, but for real, do that. Yeah. Um, and then I think what would, what would have been so amazing too, and, and we did this, but we prepared a lot of frozen meals ahead of time and people in our community, our friends, and even family would like send gift cards or get delivery or things like that. And just rained delicious food on us for weeks, but having those frozen meals that he helped me with ahead of time, um, to be sitting in our fridge for after the donations from friends have stopped rolling in. That was amazing. So learn about the counter pressure, give her the birth affirmation cards, tell her the birth affirmations too. Maybe dads need to plan some, what am I going to say to my wife in the moment to encourage her because it's really a mental game. Um, and then get in the kitchen and make those frozen meals. Husband's you will thank you later. <laughs> thank you so much for your time and your wisdom today, Joe. This has been incredible. And I know that it's going to bless women everywhere. So I really appreciate it. Thank you, Stephanie. I appreciate you so much. You have no idea. It's made all the difference for our family. So thank you. That's it for this week, but make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you get notifications first as I drop new episode every week. And don't forget to head over to myessentialbirth.com for all of the free downloads mentioned here and to join the birth course and community serving pregnant moms just like you. If you enjoyed this and other episodes, I would love it if you would take a few minutes to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I read every single one and include one at the beginning of each episode. See you next week.